was just absolutely awesome. We are glad to be hosting you for Christmas Eve, that you've spent a little of Christmas Eve with us. I'm Pastor Corey, by the way. This is Pastor Aaron. We'd love to meet you. As a quiet, as the choir slowly exits. As you can tell, I've had a super interesting week, everybody. So I've been sick all week. Um, and I'm losing my voice because somebody pray, probably prayed for that. Probably somebody in my home. Not Layden. Layden loves it when I talk. I got, um, I saw I saw some text messages between Pastor Aaron and Candace here. And she sent a whole bunch of things about, you know, the tea to drink and stuff. And then she said in there, uh, don't talk. And I'm like, that's not medicinal. That's something the two of you guys cooked up. <laughs> Talking is literally the thing that I do. And everybody loves the most about me. Say amen, Benny Church. All right, um, this is going to be a Christmas Eve service. I can't preach like a normal one, so it's going to be uh, normal for us. Um, a sermon I've entitled, um, Save Me Baby Jesus. Um, some of you I know have probably watched Talladega Nights. Um, nobody in this service? Oh. <laughs> I'm not saying go and watch it. Uh, I'm not saying that, but um, sometimes our version of Jesus is kind of an interesting one. And uh, I'm going to suggest that baby Jesus probably can't save you. Um, but Jesus did come as a baby. And so um, I'm going to start, I'm just going to start, because um, I really, really feel like God has something very specific for you this Christmas season. And so I just got to preach what God has put on my heart. And so I'm going to start uh, by talking um, a little bit about my childhood um, and Christmases um, at my mom's house. My mom and dad are great parents, a really an, just incredible family to grow up in, a disappointing brother. But, you know, other than that, everything else was great. I'm not kidding about that. He was super disappointing. Um, <laughs> two boys, so it's going to get competitive, right? And so, um, you know, my, my mom was great. Uh, thanks, Sean. You can probably go if you want to. I'm, everything's weird for me. My voice, you can hear is all, you know, I'm going to Janice Joplin this thing, I guess. Also, my hearing's a little weird, too, so just help me preach this a little bit because I'll just keep preaching until I hear some feedback. Um, so in my mom's home, you know, everything was really great until about a month before Christmas time. And then I noticed that, that music would come on in the house that we didn't normally hear, and it was really only one type of music, and it stayed for the entire Christmas season and would throw me into a depression as a child. And uh, I don't know if any of you have listened to this uh, music before or have heard about it. It's called the Boney M Christmas Album. Now, I haven't studied up on Boney M. I just, I'm not Jamaican and I don't get it. And they also sang a song like Ra Ra Rasputin lover of the Russian queen. I mean, that dude was full of Satan. So how are we singing songs about somebody who's full of the devil and Mary's born child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas. And that oppression over years was pretty terrible, you know, and it scarred me. Some of y'all come to Christmas at venue and, and you're scarred by stuff like that. And then I'm like, I got to get out from under this woman's control. 
and get into another woman's control, I guess. And so I got, I got married to Pastor Aaron. And, uh, you know, do we, have any, do we have any single people in the house? Yeah, like 2K. Now, the, rest, the reason the rest of y'all are single is because you didn't put your dang hands in the air. Because you're stupid. Because you're single. See, when I'm single, I thought I knew more about marriage than when I actually got married. And there are some questions that I should have asked before you get married. Um, and so the first, our first Christmas, about a month before Christmas, she goes downstairs and gets a cassette player out, which was still a thing that some people had, I guess, with one album on it. And she came up and pressed play to Boney M Christmas. And I'm like, well, no, but that wasn't part of my deal. You know, and I've been living oppressed ever since then. You know, the things that you don't talk about, if you're married, you know what, you know, like there's a whole list of things you'd be like, I got her an outside dog that first Christmas too. And an outside dog to a cope means a dog that lives outside. Like outside dog, it's like literally in the title of the dog, you know, like your job is to be outside. And that lasted for about two weeks until it rained the first time and, and then the dog stood at the kennel, which was outside of our bedroom window, which it knew. And I wake up and it's raining and the dog is standing in the rain by the, by the, our window crying because the dogs can cry now and crying. And, and Pastor Aaron's at the window, window, window looking out of this dog. And I'm like, it can see you if you look out. Like, we got to do something, this poor thing. I'm like, I built it a house. It can just go inside its house. It doesn't have to be out there. It'll figure it out. Uh, it did not figure it out. It, it found its way into the house that night and became an inside dog. I think one of those first Christmases, I met uh, her dad. I think it was the first time I met him. And so, um, you know, there are some things about your family that, that you don't really want the person you're dating to know until it's too late, right? And so, I didn't know to ask this question. This one here, I don't know if anybody would know to ask this question ahead of time, but I went to meet her dad out at his farm with his, uh, the lady who's now his wife was with him out there. And I was kind of poking a little fun at Erin because she couldn't find her own family farm. And her big argument was, well, the yard light was out. And I'm like, but you could still probably find the farm that you grew up on, I feel like, even with the yard light out. And so that was my argument, and I was having a little fun with it. And then Faye pipes up from the kitchen. She goes, I keep telling Don, which is her dad, to fix a yard light or the aliens are going to come. And that's funnier unless she's serious, and she was. And so, and so the rest of the night, I, can't, I don't know what else everybody else talked about, but... That's what I was thinking about. And then we got into the car, and, uh, and Aaron didn't bring that up. And I thought we, sh we should probably, should probably talk about that. In fact, maybe I could have gotten a little heads up about that before I heard about that. And, um, and I'm like, the, the alien, she seemed, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, when she was dating as a teenager, she was dating some guy and they were both on, you know, LSD or something. And, and they got something with aliens. And I'm like, maybe the next prospective marriage partner, you could say that first. <laughs> Just so they can, you know what I'm saying? Have like a, 
have like an, uh, an argument maybe ready to go or just something ahead of time. And, uh, you know, A, our yard lights really deterrence to aliens. You know, if I'm an alien and I built a spaceship and I'm here and I, and Bree's, Bree's garage light is on, I'll be like, I'm not going there. That light is scary as heck. I'm not going to that house. I'm going to go to the house that has the light off and I'm going to do stuff there. And, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember your childhood or what your, your life was like. Uh, back then in Christmases, you know, we had some beautiful Christmases in the house we lived in. Um, we have four beautiful girls and we'd have Christmases there. Our yard was right next to my dad's church. And so we had our little church family where we came from. And, and uh, we had some beautiful memories and beautiful Christmases there. But then things in our marriage started to go really south. And um, we hit a, a wall and things got real painful and, you know, just past things and Secrets and all of a sudden this other baggage starts coming out and things get real hard. And then what started to happen is we had some really rough Christmases. And the funny thing is, is that I got to this place and I don't know if you've ever been there is that I can't really remember the, the good Christmases because of the bad ones, you know. Um, and after enough ugly things in your life, uh, you can't remember the beauty anymore when you think back, you know. And uh, even that town, you know, we, we came here about seven years ago and planted the church six and some years ago, coming up to seven years, actually. And, uh, and God has done some pretty amazing things. You know, it was a fresh start for our family. But even driving back through that town, I don't even like doing that because I can't remember the good things that happened there anymore. Just because of, I don't know if you've got a, something in your life that feels like that of like, or even your childhood, you just, it was okay until it was broken. And then we're, this is where we're at. You know, this is that thing that happened that we can't seem to get over. Like we got past it, but we're not over it, you know. And, um, and humanly, I think you can't pretend that you're not scarred. Um, and there's no amount of counseling, and I think counseling is good, but there's no amount of counseling that can take the ugly away as if it didn't happen. Like it still happened, and you're still living with it, and it's still in you, you know. And, um, and, and, Sin is like that, though, I think. We, we have this idea that, because what sin does is sin builds a wall between you and separates you. And uh, we say we make mistakes. I think we should say we sin more than, like, yeah, a mistake that you did on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easier to be like, oh, well, I'm sorry that you took it that way. But what you really meant was like, no, I meant it. You know, so so what we do is, you know, you can teach, like, Teach your kids, like, you apologize, but apologizing doesn't really do anything about the wall that you built, right? It's just like, there's a wall that I put there, you know? Well, it's good that you you know that and that you said that, but that doesn't do anything about the wall. So you can kind of go back, and then you got to go and fix your behaviors that built the wall there. You could do that, so it kind of tears the wall down. But here's something I want to suggest is that the rubble of the wall doesn't go anywhere. It just stays in your life. And with enough rubble in your life... Like adding more relationships and more wealth and more a better career, there's still you're still stuck with this I, this thought that you just keep running into the bitterness of the rubble all the time. Like every time you stub your toe, it hurts, and it reminds you of something that's broken, and that's not going away. Um, and then the bitterness starts to come. You know, you can go to Mexico for a week, but then you come back and you're still the same person that you were. You know, you just got a little sun and. 
drank some margaritas. I'm sick, so I'm going to get away with saying some stuff. And you know, like you were like a, a ch more cheerful version of yourself. But then you came back and I had to go back to the same job and got to see the same teenager every day. And, and uh, there's no like Facebook page for trading teenagers. Like, how come nobody thought that up? I would monetize that. And then when you feel bad, you got to buy it. It's like, it's like a pawn shop. Then you got to buy your teenager back at extra interest because you feel bad. You know, you, you shouldn't have, so, you know, it's all coming to me right now, actually. Brilliant. Um, if you don't have kids, you're like, oh, you're a horrible monster. Oh, you just wait. You just wait. We, we said TV wouldn't raise our kids, but then TV turned out to be pretty great. So, like, I'm, I'm driving in a car right now. Just, I just want you to watch something and stop crying. <laughs> yeah, praise that. <laughs> All you single people are like, oh, we're not going to be like that. Like, man, you can't you didn't even put your hand in the air, man. You're not even going to get a date. So talk to us about raising teenagers. <laughs> you know, in the last couple of months, our pastors, because um, we've sort of alluded to some of the pain in our marriage, and our pastors, Pastor Carolyn actually said, hey, can you both write up what actually happened? And, uh, and I'm like, you know, that's good for somebody like Pastor Aaron to do, because she could. She should do something like that. But, uh, but I don't care for that, really. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go back in there now. And now I got to like, look at, look at the rubble and be like, you know, I remember when that happened. And I remember when that happened. And I remember what I did and I remember what she did. And, and, uh, this is, this is, this is what went down, you know? And, uh, it, it's, it's worrying to me because I think I got past the past, but just even in the couple of days it took me to write that I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I'm not right. And something's not right on the inside of me, like, I, I guess I'm not really through it. And um, it's one of those things that every time we've tried to go back, you know, it's like dipping your finger back into that pond, you know, the mob just pulls you back into the Corleone family. And <laughs> Don't even act like you haven't watched The Godfather. <laughs> you know, like, oh, we're, we only watch Christmas movies. Christmas movies are terrible. <laughs> I don't watch Christmas movies. But there's this idea of like every time we tried to go back, it just about pulled us back. And then I don't know if we're coming out and I just want to survive a little bit, you know. But when your pastor asks you to do something, you should probably just do it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's like I coached you to do that. That was. <laughs> yeah. You see what I did there? That was. Um, so we did it. And um, you know what? We actually had to look at that rubble. And I want to talk about this because Jesus didn't come to Israel in a good time. And maybe this Christmas isn't a good time for you. Or maybe you're realizing, you know, I got past some of my past, but I'm, I didn't get through it and I'm not healed of it. And I think God wants to do something this Christmas like he did the first Christmas. Because the first Christmas, Rome had Israel by the throat. And um, there's 400 years of rubble, 400 years since the prophets have spoken. They're still doing church with no prophets speaking, with God not speaking. So they're doing like a lot of stuff and creating this religion but God's not really speaking for 400 years. And all this stuff is piling up. Sin is piling up. Sin doesn't go away because you apologize or because you get better. It's still there. 
And Israel has this piled up version that the people have been waiting for a savior. The trouble is, it's not the savior. What they need is not what they want. And I'm going to explain this here. Luke 2 says, um, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. The um, Caesar had called for a census, so he had to go to Bethlehem. That's where his uh, grandfathers came from. David's ancient home, so he traveled there from Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. So you read this, and you're like, oh, this is all great. So Mary's pregnant, um, engaged, so he's in a tough little spot here because Mary's like, hey, I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, it wasn't me. And Mary goes, it was the Holy Spirit. And Joseph's like, has that happened to anybody else? that we know or is this like one of those things that you say because so you put yourself in Joseph's shoes like there's so question marks you know an angel can come and tell you like hey this is the Holy Spirit but there's still like this huge thing going on inside of you also there's this thing called a road trip with a uh, with a pregnant woman and not like a little bit pregnant like a lot pregnant and this is not a road trip in a Cadillac. This is a road trip with like a donkey. So this is not like that's not fun for the pregnant lady or for Joseph. So because he's going to hear about it. And I'm like, this is going to be this is not. Why are they doing this right now? Why? Because it was commanded because life is piling up because there's a vacuum being created for a savior, because as long as life is good, you don't think you need Jesus. And uh, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him, them. Okay, so if I'm Jesus, like the presidential suite, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know how many people are in this town, but I'm like, they all got beds. Like, none of this makes sense to anything that we think as humans. No room was made for them. No room was made for Jesus in society, in the school system, you know. Let's take all, all sanity out. Let's take all Jesus out. Let's take all morality out. Let's just make it up as we go. Like, this should work. And then it doesn't, and we're like, you know who's to blame? Christians. <laughs> and we're like, no, we said it wasn't going to work. Like, we were pretty, we're just like, hey, we're not allowed where we're, you know, legally allowed to disagree with anymore. You can't disagree with us. I'm like, well, you just disagreed with us. Like, <laughs> you can't convert us. I'm like, but you're trying to convert us. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it gets a little rough and around the edges there. And then we don't make room for Jesus in our homes, and we just make it up as we go. Or in our businesses anymore or in our parenting or in our schedules. See, they wanted a king and you want a king. Because a king can give you back control. But God sent a baby. Now this is weird for Jesus too because Jesus has no beginning and no ending so he's never been a baby. So maybe he just wanted to try it out and just be like, that looks weird. You know? I wonder what that's like. You know, I've never been completely dependent on another person. Um, 
<laughs> Maybe Jesus is like, I just need something new. You know, you've been working on legs too much. Let's do something else. And Jesus goes from being the most defended being in the universe, the, the, least, the least vulnerable. Like you can't attack Jesus on the throne. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to go anywhere. To the, like the most vulnerable. And then God's like, hey, um, let's give you like a 15-year-old mom to protect you. And I don't know if you read that and you're like, oh, culturally that makes sense. I'm like, most 15-year-olds I know now would kill plastic babies. So like, where's the baby? Well, I'm, it's, I'm washing the baby. You put the baby in the washer? Warm baby Jesus in the microwave. That's a bad idea. You know what I'm saying? I'm like 15, like everything about this makes no sense to you. Jesus is showing you that it's not really control that you want. It's something else. You, because this is what Israel wanted. We just wanted to be the new Rome. We're tired of this Rome. We just want to be the new Rome. We want to make the rules. We want to be the... And you come to Jesus saying, like, give me my life back and give me control back. I want to be the Caesar now. And Jesus is like, you wouldn't be happy being the Caesar. You're not made to be Caesar. Um, Jesus gave up control, ready, to show you how to connect. Because that's what you really want. You're on this earth to connect with God and people. That's it. The only way you connect to God and people is when you connect other people to God and people. There was no connection to the human race if Jesus comes down and impresses you with strength. But you might impress somebody with strength, but you connect in weakness. Now watch, watch. Jesus has to become weak and lay it down because there is no other way to buy back the human race. So watch this. So he gets weak and comes down because he actually has to come down to our level to save us. Now, you wouldn't do that for anybody. But there was no other way for us to get to him. We left him in the Garden of Eden and we've been running ever since. And in the incredible mind of God, he asked his son to lay down all his privilege and come down and connect. So, and Jesus even says to his disciples, he's like, Unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we come in Canadians, and this is because we don't get it. This is what we say. We're like, okay, so I got to come to heaven as, so I got to be the baby in this scenario. Meaning like, I got to be the baby. I need you, Jesus. But we're both babies though, right? Oh, save me, baby Jesus. Like, so I'm going to come in all vulnerable, but you're going to be that way too. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus is not a baby anymore because baby Jesus didn't save you. Baby Jesus can't bleed out on a cross. Baby Jesus can't decide to sacrifice himself. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus needs everything from Mary. But he grows up, gains it all back, and then lays it all down. We like baby Jesus. We like putting baby Jesus in the backseat of a car. Here's, here's how it is. Sometimes we come to Christ. You come for salvation. You make Jesus Savior, but you don't make him Lord. So you're still Lord then, I guess. So then you put baby Jesus in the backseat of the car, and then he gets to go wherever you want to go. Just crack the window if it's hot out. You don't want some Christians getting angry at you. 
And I'm saying, maybe this is your relationship with Jesus right now. But here's the thing. The thing that you got strapped in the backseat of your car isn't Jesus. He doesn't, you don't get to seatbelt him up and take him places. That's not the son of the living God. I don't know who you got back. I don't know who you wrestled in there, but it's not Jesus. You know, baby Jesus can make suggestions. We make decisions. Now, I think you're supposed to be the baby. I think you're supposed to still be the child in the sight of God. You cannot connect with God and maintain control. You're not going to know what to do with it anyways. The thing that makes us so distrustful of this is that everybody here that you know is flawed and wants something from you. Uh, not God, because you don't have anything that he needs. He's the only one that could be trusted. He's good just because he's good. You don't have anything that God needs. He just loves you because he loves you. He sacrificed because he decided to. And baby Jesus can't take your sin away. I think this is the Christmas. I would challenge you. Sometimes we walk around and, you know, if, if your dad had work boots, I used to walk around in my dad's work boots when I was little. I'm like, that's cute until you fall down the stairs. And I feel like I see a lot of people. Um, you might be at church. This might be your second time this year. The other time was Easter. We call you Christers, Christmas and Easter. And you might like be walking around in dad's boots a little bit. I'm going to say, can we take those boots off and give them back to dad before you fall down the stairs with them? See, we're sitting on the throne with our little tiny rear ends. We're sitting on the throne of our life that is actually only the size that God can fill. And God wants to fill you every day and every minute of every day. He wants to be the one on the throne in your life so that he can do what only he can do. Paul the apostle says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. He's like, I grew up in religion, and this is how I thought of him. How differently we know him now. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. So this Christmas, can I ask you to just give up your story? Can I ask you to give up your story of like... I believe in God, but I don't do anything that he says. Can we just give that up? Because we don't know who you've got strapped there, but the son of the living God, that's not a relationship. That's not part of a relationship that he will afford you. It's not going to be good for you. He's not going to do that to you. He's not going to let you. I'm going to suggest to you that we can say like, I have a great relationship with God, but I'm never in his house. I'm like, we're not sure who you're listening to, but if I leave my my house, and I haven't been in my house for like months and months, I'm like, I have a great relationship with my family. And then you ask my family, and they'll be like, no, he doesn't. He's not here. This is where we are. He doesn't take the garbage out. I don't take the garbage out anyways. He doesn't pay the bills anymore. He doesn't do the dishes. I put my dishes away most of the time. I'm sick. I can say whatever I want right now. God's family lives in God's house. This house, and there are many great churches in the area, I think you need to start doing life in God's family because that's who God's family is, and that's what family does. And there's a whole life for you that you don't even know because you're not experiencing it yet. And I think it's time to, if you want to get the rubble out of your life, this is the place that it happens. God actually removes it from our lives. Every week he removes a little more, so we start walking free. Now here's the thing. I see some of you here. And I hear your voice and I give you a hug, but that doesn't make us married. I'm married to her. 
No, you're never going to have what she's got. And it's a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. You don't want that. But listen, you can't say that we have a marriage covenant relationship, which is what Jesus wants with you. You can't say that we have that because we see each other every now and again. I'm like, no, I have that with her. There are sacrifices and there are costs and there are obligations and there are responsibilities and there are things I can do and things that I can't do. And then we had babies together and you and I, we didn't have a baby together. <laughs> it's now a good time to tell you that Pastor Aaron's pregnant with triplets. sick I just made that up was it the Holy Spirit it was not the Holy Spirit everybody the reason that joy came to the world and the is that because is because Jesus sacrifice took control back from us and gave us what we really wanted which was connection 